disintegrating. Hey, pass the salt. It's time. It's time. Hey, you, pass the salt. You know what, why it's disintegrating? Because we're jellyfish. Hey, pass the salt, will you? Pass the salt. Pass the salt, amigo. It's time. It's time. I think they could give us a new name. I believe we are Evan Jellyfish. Hey, we have passed the salt. Pass the salt. We need salt over here. It's time for Pass the Salt. Pass but we like to share the gospel without any backbone to it, see? The views, opinions, and seemingly outrageous comments expressed in this program are based on the Holy Spirit leading of a man called Coach. i got to ask you this out there, Christian America. It's time for Pass the Salt with a Coach, Dave Daubenmeyer. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Hey, look, right off the top of the bat, i got to talk about something a little bit more. Uh, self-serving, I guess. I was watching an interview that I did yesterday with Ann Steele, Steel Truth. And uh, as she's in her, folks, if you would see, some of you have been in our, my multi-million dollar studio. If you understand, I don't trust people who don't look me in the eye. I don't know if you guys are that way or not. I'm, I don't trust people who won't look me in the eye. When I'm doing a broadcast, this is the eye. This is the camera, right? There's a little camera. And I look into the camera and I try to act like I'm looking you in the eye when I'm talking to you, even though I can't see you. So if you're talking to me, I, I try to look there so you know I'm looking at you. But if really to look at you, I have to look here on my screen. Are you following me? You think I'm looking at you here, I'm not. When I do that, I'm looking at you on my screen. And I find myself doing a lot of this as I talk to you. And you never trust a guy with beady eyes, right? What's with that guy's eyes? Why? How come he keeps putting his eyes? Because I'm looking at you. <laughs> You're up here on my screen. But if I look here, I'm t- look all of you. I'm looking at all of you right now. Okay? So that bothers me that that look, I look like a shyster. Like, is somebody coming? Huh? Somebody coming here? And I, I, <laughs> I just want to explain to you. Say, Coach, just look into the camera. It's easy to do. But if I look at Silver, he's there. With me? If I'm looking for somebody raising their hand, they're there. So my eyes are constantly going up there because that's how I, that's how I keep the show flowing the, the way that it does. So happy birthday to Denny Bryan. He's supposed to be dead about, I don't know how many times he's supposed to be dead. Mm-hmm. If I get it right, Denny's still alive. Went through COVID, got lung issues to begin with, can't even breathe out oxygen, got COVID and lived. And he's having another birthday. I think he's younger than me, Denny. I didn't know that if you're out there listening. I thought you were older than me, but Denny's younger than me. So happy Happy birthday to Denny. I got some great stuff I want to share with you today. Okay, get my beady eyes up there. Great stuff I want to share with you. Bear with me. Let's go to the schedule real quick, uh, Spence, if you could pull that up there for me. Um, Just so we we keep track of everything that's going on, the Kentucky Salt and Light Brigade event this weekend. We're going to go to – see, there I am again. I'm looking up, right? It's on my screen, okay? I have to read it. Uh, We're going to go to the ARC on Friday, and then we're going to go – we have some speakers. There's good stuff going on during Saturday as well. And I think even a church service on Sunday. So jump in that one. Chad's got the Texas Salt Light Brigade going at the same time this uh, weekend. Chad, any news you want to say about that one? Everybody on your list know you're having that thing? He, Chad's probably recovering from the wedding they had at his house where he spent way too much money on his on his daughter's wedding. So he's probably, he'll be begging, begging for money this weekend. Next weekend, Maryland Salt and Light Brigade Huddle. This is going to be good one. Mr. Zero, Craig's putting this one together for us out there. A lot of good stuff going on there. If you're in that eastern uh, uh, eastern United States area, we'd love for you to be able to come to that one. 
and that's kind of where we are right now. We're still still working on some others. Get your if it's if you have something that's not on the schedule, let us know so that we can get it up there on the schedule for you. Okay, cool. Um, a couple things before I get into a couple things here. Issue number one, uh, I sent out a text yesterday to one of my friends who uh, I'll, I'll let his name remain anonymous. Boy, do I want to start with that, Lord? Do I want to start with that? Uh, no, let's go the other way. I'll come back to that. Yesterday, uh, I'm looking down through. Folks, we get all kinds of people in the show, all kinds of them. Uh, we don't know how many people listen. I, I really don't know because there's so many different platforms we're on. But we do know how many people come in and join in the, what we call the, the queue, the huddle. There I go again, looking over here. There's the names. They're all over here. Right now, there's 108 people actively involved in the queue at any time could raise their hand and have something to say. It's interactive, and I like it being interactive. And when we do interactive, uh, we, don't, uh, we don't censor who comes in. You know, that one guy comes in all the time and says that I like to do certain things to men. You know, he comes in and does that all the time, not realizing that he does that to men, and it's, it's, foul, it's foul. It's absolutely the most abominable thing he could do is take another man's, you know what I'm talking about, right? And this guy does that. And then he comes on and tries to accuse me of doing that. We, can't, we, don't, we don't have any ability to censor that, right? This is an open forum. We let it be an open forum. And I try to be somewhat protective because there are people who are at all levels in their walk, in their faith. And the last thing I want to do is to try to uh, spend time with our show and encourage one another and build them up in the most holy faith, the Holy Ghost, and then have somebody chop their legs out from under them when the show's over. So it kind of was some, we do a show after show, friends. In other words, if you're watching today, when the show goes off, if, you, if you've logged on, we're still in here. We're going sometimes for an hour, sometimes more than an hour, discussing the things that, we've, uh, that uh, are pertinent. We've become good friends. But we're, we're aware of the fact that there are a lot, some on the outside that, that try to, uh, some have good intentions, some have not so good intentions. Some people speak, some people never say a word, some they just listen. And I know this, I know how impactful this show is, whether, whether you admit it or not. Even those guys who come in there and talk about penises, something's drawing them here every day as well. And so I, I, one, uh, we, in the after show yesterday, we had a situation, doesn't matter, it's no big deal. And in the after show, uh, we were talking about someone who's not a Christian who was watching the show. Yeah, he says he's not a Christian, so it's all good. And uh, <clears throat> we had just done a show. Okay, everybody raise your hand and say, Coach, I will not get offended. Go ahead, raise your hand and say, Coach, I will not be offended. You can say what you want. I will not be offended. Okay, cool. Because we, we had just done a class on the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit. And... Uh, no one comes to the Father unless the Holy Spirit draws them. That's the only way. You will never be saved if the Holy Spirit doesn't draw you. No one comes to the Father unless the Spirit draws them. No one does. No. Folks, you, can't, you cannot convince people into the kingdom. You can't convince them. <laughs> you can't convince them. Now, you can answer some of their questions, you can make examples, you can do all that kind of stuff, but you cannot logically convince somebody into the kingdom. The Holy Spirit has to draw them. Well, somebody say amen. Somebody say, yep, coach, that's, that's amen. true. Amen. 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 Now, listen. Oh, Lord, do I have to say it? Yeah, I'll say it. 
You can search the Bible. In fact, probably some better Bible scholars out there, better scholars out there than me. And I'd like some of you to do some research for me tomorrow and tell me where it says that we are supposed to get people saved. Somebody show me in the Bible where it says that's our number one goal is to go get people saved. The Lord said he gave us a, he commanded us what? To go ye into all the world and teach them to observe all I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always even to the end of the age. And in fact, it does say somewhere in the Bible that he that winneth souls is wise. Does anybody know where that is? I could Google it and find Proverbs. it. It's just Proverbs. He that winneth soul is wise. That's wise. That's a smart thing to do. But that ain't your full-time job, friends. Amen. That isn't your full-time job. My full-time job is to advance the kingdom of God. Now, how do I advance the kingdom of God? Well, I advance the kingdom of God by expanding those who believe or are connected to the kingdom of God. And so in the midst of this discussion we were having yesterday, because I got some, I got a couple of messages about it. I said to the said to one of the people in the queue, listen, I'm, hey, folks, I'm telling you the truth right now too, okay? I don't really care if you get saved. I really don't care. I'm telling you, I don't. No, see, my wife cautioned me. That sounds harsh. I do. I want you to be saved. I want you to be saved. I really don't care. I really don't care. And as I said yesterday, you're a big boy. I'm going to lay the facts out there. You're a big boy. Your body, your choice. You decide what you want to. I've delivered my soul. I presented the gospel to you. And I ain't going to waste any more time trying to recruit you. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit draw you. And folks, you listen to me. The greatest example of the Holy Spirit drawing them is if anybody were to just sit here and listen for six weeks, Holy Spirit will, in fact, draw them. Now, there's a difference between answering the questions that they have and working overtime to get them saved. And I said yesterday to the guy, I really don't care. You're a big boy. You make your own choice. I don't care. Now, I would like him to be saved. But can I tell you the truth? I ain't losing any sleep over it. <laughs> I'm not losing any Why? Because no one comes to the Father unless the Spirit draws him. Why do I feel I have to get him saved? I'm just going to tell the truth. I'm going to teach them to observe all he's commanded me. That's what I'm going to do. And he said he would be with me everywhere that I go. And if one guy bites and swallows, good. If another guy bites and spits it out, well, sorry, I offered him the bait. That's all we can do. So I'm not trying to offend anybody, but I thought it was, to me, it was kind of amazing. I'm thinking, wait a minute. We just did a class on the natural man receives not the things of the spirit, and yet we don't get it. He's a natural man. He can't get it. Not that he won't get it or doesn't want to get it. He can't get it. It's called beating your head against the wall. So I just want to clarify that today. I want, the Lord said this, the Lord, the Bible says that God wills that none would perish. He wants them saved more than I do. I ain't going to lose any sleep over it. If he can't convince them, how the heck am I going to convince them? Right? Pressure's off, man. I shared it. He spit it out. Throw the line into another side of the boat, man. Huh? some point, maybe somebody else will come along and hook him. I'd say he's curious or he wouldn't even be in here. And as we found out Amen. yesterday, and as we all know, we have so screwed up Christianity that we couldn't explain it to somebody if we wanted to. And somebody sitting on the outside looking in at us and saying, God, 
those guys are screwed up because we are. It's all, we're screwed up because of all the stuff we spoke about yesterday. So pressure's off. Pressure's off. Pressure's off. If the Lord uses me to bring somebody into the kingdom, thank you, Lord. But it sure as heck wasn't anything I said or did because the Holy Spirit drew them. The Holy Spirit drew them. Boom. Okay. Issue number one. Anybody want to comment on that? Anybody mad at me? R.L. Burgess, come on in and Julie. Go ahead. No? Julie, go. Yeah, um, you're so right, Coach, about that. Because it says in the Bible that, you know, if they refuse the gospel, it says, dust chip the feet off and go to the next town. That's right. That's foolish and unlearned questions avoid. I, listen, I tell them the truth. They either swallow it or they don't. If they ask me a question, I answer it. But I'm not going to sit around and argue and try to get somebody saved. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Jeff, come on in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking at uh, Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. In the sense that how's the word going to be heard unless it is preached? How are people going to know about Jesus Christ? You know, Jesus, when he found out John the Baptist was in prison, the first thing he said was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. So, so Jeff, what does, what, does, what, what does the word preach mean, Jeff? Proclaim. Okay. Answer. So it doesn't have, to, doesn't have to be street preached. Right, I can proclaim it to Myra in a nice yes. soft voice. I can proclaim it. I can preach it to Tracy in a nice soft voice. Right? I'm with right. you. Go ahead. Yeah, what you know? You go back to the Samaritan woman at the well. Jesus talked to this woman and revealed her sin. She had five husbands, and the one she's with is not. So he pointed out the sin of, of the law, and she came to understanding that he is the way, the living water, and worship mm-hmm. spirit and truth. Mm-hmm. So if people can't hear it, how are they going to know? They can't. The Bible, we talked about that yesterday, right? But if they don't have, if they don't, if the Holy Spirit doesn't draw them, they ain't going to hear it. Yeah, that's they, John six forty four. Yeah. yeah. They're not going to hear it. Relax. Pressure's off. Betty, come on in. Good morning. Good. It, great. Um, this is so good. You're right. You have to plant the seed and after that it depends on the person to make that choice or not and sometimes it takes that struggle to fall on your butt to make that choice betty it says one man plants another man waters but don't forget it's god that gives the increase right so i'm going to share with somebody today and then somebody else will share tomorrow and somebody will share and maybe all of a sudden boom it clicks wow all right somebody right folks that's how it works that's why that's how it works relax pressure's off us just tell them the truth. Bernie and Myra. Yeah, Coach, uh, in John, uh, I think it's Mount chapter 4, you know, all these people were following Jesus, and he said he did not commit himself to, to them because he knew what was in man. So how all these people were following him, but he knew that they were following him for the wrong reason. Right. And so he did not commit himself to them. And the other thing is that, you know, there's, don't sell the gospel cheap. This is the most valuable thing in the world. Don't don't go make it. Sell it for Bernie. By all the things. Don't yeah. cheapen it. That's right, brother. Don't cheapen it, right? Yeah. It's and a jewel. Go out there, you knock on the door. If they don't receive you, wipe your feet and go with the next yeah. flight. That's right, man. That's right. Good word, Bernie. Myra, then Jeff. 
Got got a lot of you getting. Good morning, Saints. How you doing? Good. Uh, Philippians two twelve. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Thank you. (laughs) Myra's get. Myra's getting it. If I was going to vote most impacted person in the queue, it'd be Myra Schneider. That's my vote. Jeff, come on in. Coach, we're going to go and plant some seeds and proclaim on Saturday that March for Life in Mount Vernon. Yes. A bunch, bunch of people are supposed to show up, politicians, all kinds of people. So we're going to give them Jeff, some Saturday. I feel, I feel bad I haven't pushed that more. I was, I was already booked in Kentucky, but I can get you signs if you need it. We can talk about that later. Kevin, come on in. Coach, the wisest thing you said to Patrick yesterday was, hey, Patrick, you're a grown Coach, man. You're yeah, a grown man. Going. You can make your own decisions. It's on you. Guess yeah, what? On, on Judgment Day, there is not going to be anybody standing there holding his hand. It's on him. He's a grown man. That's Leave right. Down. Yep. I ain't going to beg him. I ain't begging him into the kingdom. Exodus, uh, is it, is it uh, not Exodus, Ezekiel 13? Is it Ezekiel 13? Uh, where it says I delivered my own soul. If I tell you I delivered my own soul, I did my job. I told you you didn't re- you didn't receive it. I know I ain't going to sit here and keep trying to convince you. <laughs> I can't convince you, right? You've got delivered my own soul. I think that's where it is. Is Exodus? No, no, that's different. Yeah, I'll get to it. That was Ezekiel. Hey, that coach, matter? doesn't doesn't it say that every man will stand without excuse? Well, we know that, right? Amen. I'm trying right. to take the pressure off us. I'm trying to take the pressure off the evangelifishism that thinks that we're supposed to get everybody saved. The Lord knows they're not all going to be saved. In fact, he says there are a lot of you who say you are and you ain't. In that day, there'll be many, Lord, Lord, didn't we cast out devils and didn't we lay hands on the sick and didn't we do all these great things in our church? Oh, Lord, weren't we the best? Didn't we pray at the public? He said, get out of here. Who are you again? Who are you again? That's what the word says. And folks, you better be very careful of creating false converts. You better be careful false converts. That's one of the things I think, God bless Billy Graham, he stands before the Father. He's going to have to give an account for all the false converts, right? False converts. Walk walk an aisle, say a prayer, you're on your way to heaven. I hope he's right. I hope Billy's right. Tracy, come on in. Good morning, everyone. Um, What I got out of it yesterday, what I saw with Patrick was a lot of warriors sharpening their tools and getting their weapons ready for a spiritual battle. That's what I saw, that we were all getting ready for the battle, and what a better way than against somebody from the other side. I I feel that we all all grew from that yesterday. And I'm peculiar, peculiar, and I'm looking at it in a different way. (laughs) No, that's good. That's all good. I'm just trying to take the pressure off people who think they have to get people saved. By the way, let me say this, because this this happens sometimes. Any conversation, folks, for the general, we are to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. All right? I I try very, very hard to not use the name of a person that I've dealt with unless I've cleared it with them first. The last thing I want them to hear is that, did you know Naomi was talking about you on Coach Dave's show? One of Naomi's friends. And they say, what? Oh, yeah. She's saying unbelievable stuff about you. And it might be true and it might not be true. So I think all of us out there, listen to me now, because we've used that guy's name twice now. I'm not scolding anybody. I'm not using his name publicly. I didn't ask for his approval to do it. 
and he didn't come in here publicly, right? And so even in experiences in your life, like I'm going to tell you the story about my buddy. I went up to the hospital uh, yesterday. I'm not going to tell you his name. I'm not going to tell you. I'm just going to tell you that that happened with his friend. Some of you may know who it is, right? So let's be careful about using the name of other people who aren't present to defend themselves. Let me, let me give you an example. I thought about you, Jeff. If you, you, you got to realize there are enemies out there. We got enemies out there. And if somebody tunes into Coach Dave Live and they hear Jeff talking about the meeting he had with the superintendent, they're going to take that and they're going to share it with the superintendent and they're going to share it with board members, and they're going to share it with people in the, in the, in the county and the school district next door. And the next thing you know, those guys ain't going to talk to you anymore because they're going to say, I thought that conversation was private. So we got to be careful, folks. We have to be careful because it's not just one big happy family in here. There are a lot of people who are hanging around here who don't have our, who don't have our best interests at heart. Jerry, come on in. Morning, Coach. I got a quick re- uh, movie reference here from The Matrix. Morpheus is standing in front of the council and he's telling them he's going to go fight with the one. And the council member looks at him and says, well, some do not believe in the one. And he looks at him and he says, my beliefs do not require them to. Amen. <laughs> That's right. Uh, my faith doesn't require you to have it. It doesn't. Boy, I'm going to tell a story. Stay with me. Larry, Bernie, your hand's still up, by the way. Yeah, about going out and preaching and stuff like that. Man, Jesus wants us to go out and preach. Yes, he does. Give me about one minute on this. The parable of the sower, and it is Jesus who titled it the parable of the sower. It's in Matthew chapter 13. First part of the chapter, he tells the parable to the people. About verse 18, he starts explaining it to the disciples. The parable of the sower, I believe, and y'all can go to the spirit and either let it be confirmed or not confirmed in your spirit. I believe Jesus is telling his disciples, you be very, very careful where you take this precious word that you're gaining from being with me. You be very careful where you put that precious word because you don't want to give what's holy to the dogs. You don't, you know, you don't want to cast your pearls before swine. And so, you know, going out and preaching is is, is what's got to be done. But we've got to learn to do it as led by the Holy Spirit. Um, that's right. You don't get medals on your chest for people that you save. Although I guess the Bible says you do get crown jewels in your crown. I couldn't agree with you more, Larry. I tell them the truth. It's hey, they're big boys. It's up for them to try to figure out the truth. I can't. I couldn't drag somebody to Jesus. I couldn't, no matter what. It's a decision that they have to make that only the Lord can bring them to. So people walk an aisle, say a prayer. Eh, okay, it's emotionalism in a lot of cases. Not truly save people. Naomi, then Reggie. So I think that proclaim not only has to do with verbal speaking, but it's also lifestyle. Sometimes your um, lifestyle can speak louder than the words and they're more open to hearing it. And I think about Luke 16 with rich man and Lazarus. And I go back to this over and over again. And um, the rich man called up from Hades and said, send Lazarus to warn my people. And Father Abraham said they have the prophets and all these. If they can't believe them, what makes you think somebody from the dead they'll believe? That's right, folks. <laughs> good, good point. Reggie, then U.S. country girl. 
Good morning, everybody. I can only speak for myself and my experience and the wisdom I've gained. When I first was reconverted, I was on fire and literally going out and telling everybody about the good word. And um, I was persecuted for it. So as time went on, I learned something in Holy Spirit because I, I was on fire, but the Holy Spirit was, I had not learned to, to understand the Holy Spirit. So I can't tell people don't do this, but what I've experienced is the Lord speaks through us. He said, you know, you don't need to worry what you're going to say. I'm going to say it for you. He prompts us when yeah. to say it. He doesn't tell us, get up every single morning, go out and proclaim the name of the Lord. You can do that by your example. May the Lord be on my heart and upon my lips, because I know that every moment of every day I'm working in the spirit. I know I am. I can feel it. And he's there and he's present. But if you're getting persecuted and beaten down, I don't think those are the fruits. You, they can be mistaken as martyrdom and fruits of martyrdom, but that's not. The, like Larry said, be careful where you give the jewel of the Lord because it's not always welcomed, nor are they working in the spirit or the spirit's not there to open their hearts and their understanding. So you're not just supposed to go everywhere and throw your seeds or really not. So I, I mean, I'm just speaking from experience. That's my well, personal. So you, you, under, you understand, you understand that the unsaved world sees us as holy, except we're not holy and they see we're not holy. And so that makes them upset. Because they say, you know what? He's really not that much different from me. Yet they think I'm holy and I'm supposed to be holy because I'm a Christian. Do you, do you get it? Until they get a confusion. They don't, they don't understand. Why? They don't have the spirit. They can't discern good from evil. They can't figure it out. When you share the truth, you will know whether they got it. And then you'll be prompted to continue or leave. Quit trying to hammer the nail into their head. The saved sign, so you can stick a sign saved on their forehead. It's a process. U.S. country girl, then Clay. Amen, coach. Um, I think a lot of people get caught up in thinking that they have to defend Jesus. Yeah. And Jesus doesn't need defending, <laughs> you know, and we get, yeah. we take it personally and we, we can't be offended. We can't take it personally. The best thing you can do is encourage somebody who's searching and try to answer the questions. And then, like you said, move on. And, and I'm going to take it one step further. This whole bring somebody to church, bring somebody to church. <clears throat> and the pressure sometimes that's put on a saved spouse to save <clears throat> their spouse <clears throat> is unbelievable. <clears throat> and I can speak from my own experience. For 13 years, I thought that I was not, that I was horrible. I was so uh, condemned because I thought that I just wasn't being a good enough wife that my husband couldn't see the truth. And um, it was only after I finally left, we've made huge strides in the time that I, since I've left huge <clears throat> strides. And what I didn't realize is that here this whole time, I thought I was serving the Lord and, and I was a leader it was in leadership in ministry and my family was sacrificing and they're supposed to be my number one ministry. And that was even right. preached in the church that I went to. Your your husband's your number one ministry. Your family's, the, you know, but at the same time, when you put so much time into being in leadership, everybody sacrifices. Everybody suffers for that. And they really didn't have a choice in it. And I had, I had to realize that I wasn't, they really weren't my first ministry that way. They really weren't. So mm -hmm. 
there's a lot of things that we believe and a lot of things that are put on us that are just not true. So let me let folks listen. Here's the key. I'm just telling you. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit will draw them. All right? You don't play any part other than you open your mouth. You're a vessel that he flows through. Here's the key. Number one, learn to hear the Holy Spirit. And number two, learn to obey him. If he says, speak, speak. If he says, shut up, shut up. But this idea that that you have to go out and get people saved, it puts pressure on you that you cannot live up to because you can't save nobody, including your husband. And so you'd be a lot wiser if you spent more of your time, rather than trying to evangelize your husband, that you would pray to the Lord that he would bring somebody across your husband's steps, across your husband's path, who would be able to open the eyes of your husband. You would be a lot smarter if you did that. Amen, coach. And I did learn that. Amen. Amen. It's not just husbands, right? It's wives as well. It's wives as well. Clay, come on in. I think we should go about it in a, in a similar way that we would when we tell somebody about the Biden administration. If you get an opportunity to, to, to pro- proclaim something to somebody or tell them about it, you say, hey, there's a bad dude in there. He's wanting to take away your freedoms. He's wanting to kill the economy, steal your vote. And then you put the seed there and they're a grown person. If they're a grown person, then if they see something that worries them, they'll go and do their own investigation into the matter. And it's if they don't, speed. then you warn them. So, so Clay, it's like uh, leading them to Donald Trump. Do you notice that's going on, don't you? We're trying to lead the loss to Donald Trump. Clay just said, have them question Joe Biden. Don't lead them to Trump. Have them open their eyes about Biden. Good word, Clay. Jim, James J., come on in. Then Paul Webb. Coach, whether or not it's still relevant at this point, uh, you were looking for Ezekiel chapter 3 earlier. Thank you. It is still relevant. Ezekiel, can you pull that up real quick, Spence? I want people to see it. Take the pressure off of you. Take the pressure off of you. Man, if you can't know when the Holy Spirit's working, huh? Uh, Ezekiel chapter 3. and it's in, Verse 17. So thank you, man. 17. Here it is. Son of man, I have made you a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the word of my mouth and give them warning for me. Doesn't say get them saved. When I say unto the wicked, you shall surely die, and you don't give him a warning. I speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life. That same wicked man is going to die in his sin, but I'm going to require his blood at your hand because you didn't go warning. Yet if you warn the wicked and he turned not from his wickedness nor from his wicked way, He's going to die in his sin, but you've delivered your own soul. And then it goes on and says the same thing about the righteous man. The pressure is off. Open your mouth, speak the truth, listen to the Holy Spirit, and the pressure's off. Thanks, Jim. Paul Webb, come on in. Hey, Rogers. hey, uh, hey Coach. Um, great show, by the way. Um, when you talked about Billy Graham, something came to my mind is how many people do you think, quote, unquote, he saved? Millions, maybe hundreds of thousands. Millions, I'm sure millions. Yes, right. But how was the culture influenced? The culture got worse because there was no discipleship, Paul. 
Doing you. no discipleship. But the point I was making is this: is that the enemy doesn't really care about that because you get people saved all day if they're not out there <laughs> discipleship and, and influencing the culture. It doesn't matter because pretty much when Billy Graham got started, he was told you could preach the gospel, but don't say anything about the culture. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so that's that's so the point so, I'm making. Is a lot of these churches so they have these outreaches and things, but it's not really, yeah, people are getting saved, but what does that mean? <laughs> but Paul, you know? see, that's the thing. That is that is the purpose of the modern church is getting people saved. And I'm yeah. telling you this, you won't find that in the scriptures, friends. You won't find it. We want to expand the kingdom by teaching them the truth. And by teaching them the truth and the Holy Spirit drawing them, they will come to Christ. Yeah. I don't know about you. But if uh, when I walked the aisle back in 1964 to Billy Graham Crusade in Columbus, Ohio, and I received Christ as my Savior, I got saved, I guess. Don't even know what it meant. I spent the next 20 years of my life living for hell. Was I saved? I walked the aisle. I said the prayer. Nobody discipled me. Nobody raised me up and trained me what it means to be a Christian. Or as Jeff would say, trained in righteousness. Nobody showed me how to do that. So how many people, I'm not criticizing Billy Graham, how many people walked the aisle for Billy Graham and were never discipled? That's why we're in the mess we're in, because they think they're saved. Roger. A quick question. Um Someone said that we do not need to defend Jesus, and I, and I tend to agree with that. Do we need to defend his word? Do we need to defend his truth? That's my question. I think that's our daily walk. I think, I think that's our daily walk. So, we, have to be re- we have to be really, really careful, folks. Listen, people are going to uh, see hypocritical things in you because they're looking for them, right? And so we just got to be smart enough that we try not to give them Give them the evidence on a silver platter, right? Yeah, Dave, we're, all, we're, all, we're all fallible people. Yeah, Roger. A couple of weeks ago, uh, I was really hard on some guy in the queue about some concepts he made about death, burial, and resurrection. And it just stirred in my heart that I could not let that stand. I could not let the attack of that foundational gospel uh, message or scripture stand. So I had, for lack of a better word, really go after that. I felt okay with that. I felt I needed to defend God's word. I needed to defend scripture. Um, Some people may have said I was too harsh or, you know, Roger, we've got to let them all talk all the time. That's how we get them. But I didn't feel that way. Mm. There was a certain level. There was a certain area that I want him to, he couldn't go. And I won't, you know, when you say there is no sin, that's the foundation of my faith. I can't remain quiet. Amen, brother. He was disrespecting Amen. the word and needs to it needs to be rebuked. So, Roger, one of the, one of the te- techniques that we use when we go to the street, I've shared this before. We're doing street ministry at all. Uh, I tell the guys that I'm there with, or guys or girls that I'm there with, I say, "Listen, when I'm talking to somebody, don't interrupt me. Don't interrupt me. Let me talk to them. Now, if as I'm talking to them, you think I'm getting too harsh." or personal, or whatever it is, just put your hand on my shoulder. Just reach out and put your hand on my shoulder. Don't interrupt me. Don't stop me. Don't contradict me. 
let me go ahead and do, because it may sound harsh to you, but it may be what I'm being prompted by the Holy Spirit to say. And if you put your hand on my shoulder, it now tells me, stop and think a minute, are you saying the right thing? And then I make the process as to whether I continue, not the person standing beside me. Do we understand? There's nothing worse than to be out in an abortion clinic and have somebody start arguing with me as I'm talking to somebody. Shut the hell up, will you? Because why? We all operate in different giftings. My job sometimes isn't to love them. My job is to kick them in the arse. You come along and rub their back if you want to. I ain't rubbing their back. Different gifts, right? Different different dispensations of the gift. And so as we would learn to play off of each other rather than fight with each other, I think we'd we'd get farther down the road. Wes, come on in then, Gene. Yeah, Coach, uh, I was just – you talking about taking the pressure off of us, you know, to, to, you know, talking to people. But uh, I was just looking in Acts, like this is the last recorded words of Jesus in the book of Acts in uh, 1.8. If it says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses mm. in Jerusalem. So, you know, in a, in a uh, uh, jury trial, who's on uh, – we're not the ones on uh, on trial. We're just witnesses. That's right. And Jesus is really the one that's on, you know, on trial for every person. They have to make that decision. We're just to be uh, to just testify what we've seen and heard and experienced. That's it. We're the witnesses. When people say, who are you to judge? They're not judging. I'm the witness. Right. <laughs> I'm, tell- I'm telling you, you keep putting your hand in that hole, you're going to get bit. Amen. So- Right? That's not judgmentalism. We've confused it too. Good words, Wes. Gene and Dale. Thank you. Good morning, y'all. I just wanted to bring back a, a comment that's always said about ministers that I went to this sermon and I saved so many people and I did this. Billy Graham didn't save anybody. No. It was Jesus, the Holy Spirit, drawing him to Jesus. And, and no one can no one can come to the Father unless the Spirit does his job first, Gene. Exactly. And then we're there to proclaim that yep. and to tell, just like what the four spiritual laws, I don't know if you ever remember them, but the four spiritual laws, we draw them, or we're there for the Holy Spirit to use us to draw them. And then they decide between them and the Holy Spirit. Good word. And I, I get in trouble often because I say some, sometimes I evangelize without even using the Bible. <laughs> Because you have to, first of all, destroy the argument they're standing on. You have to destroy their platform before they're willing to listen to yours. And you can't just go say Jesus said or the Bible says because, well, they don't believe Jesus. And they don't believe the Bible. Right? You got to show them how stupid their own thinking is. Then you got a chance. Dale. Amen, brother. Listen, man, when you, when you started with the discerning of the spirit and understanding We've had this conversation before, and I've said, brother, this is a plant, a plant. I'm not talking about a greenery plant. I'm talking about one who comes in with a subtle tongue, right, and tries to sow the discord. The the ones who followed Jesus more than his own disciples were always the Pharisees, Matthew 22, 15. It says, then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him. Now, we got to understand who is the people who we're talking to is is God drawing the person or 
is this person looking to right and trap you in your words and you're saying so when we're talking about certain people man i understand that some people like this and i look and i'll go golly look at this this guy goes here and he goes there he goes on this talk show he goes here and he what does he do for a living and he tries to entrap so brother this is not a drawing of the spirit and so you're right. The Billy Graham mentality is like, oh, we're just supposed to be nice. No, the shepherd carried a staff, not just to lead them by still waters and to rescue sheep off the cliff. Sometimes he used that staff to drive off the wolves. Am I correct? That's right. That's right. That's right. No one comes to the Father unless the Holy Spirit draws them. You take a lot That's of pressure off them. No, listen, it's not about we're we're not trying I know you, coach. It's not about being cultic or anything like that. We we man, all the many of the people who were in here they came, they were curious, they got drawn, and look where they're at. Look at Myra. Look at that, yeah. brother. It's are, amazing. Are the are these others? Are they being drawn <clears throat> or are they looking to entrap and to sow discord? No, we can see that for sure. Good word, Dale. Uh Patriot, that's uh, Kevin. Go ahead. Well, Coach, a minute ago when you were talking about um, not interrupting you, you know, when 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 you're you're doing your thing, it kind of reminded me of something my good friend Dave Daubemeyer says a lot when he goes, "Hey, I'm going somewhere with this." <laughs> yes, <laughs> so just yeah. stand back and let <laughs> me go, because the Holy Spirit's guiding me. But I, I think there was a lot a lot in that when you said that. So I, I Thanks, definitely yep. doubt. Thanks, Kim. Yep, Michelle. Good morning, team. Um, I, I like the way that you're zeroing in and clarifying on this. You know, in Exodus 1, uh, 11, I'm sorry, I have that backwards, 11, 1. Um, now the Lord had told Moses, Pharaoh will not listen to you, but this will give me the opportunity to do even more mighty miracles in the land of Egypt. So just because your words don't seem like they're going anywhere, look what happened in Egypt. Um, so... Uh, maybe you're not speaking to the wolf that's in front of you, but maybe that lost little sheep over in the corner is hearing you. Well, how about this one, Michelle? I don't know how many of you saw this the other night. President Donald Trump at his rally in Phoenix said, you know, the real question is what really happened? Did you guys know that? Did you know he said that? Hey, Bob, do you know that the president stole your question? The president of the United States stole your line. What really happened? Now, did he come up with that line or did somebody hear it repeated somewhere? Is it possible that old Bob sitting out there in Arizona asked a question that ended up coming out of the mouth of the president of the United States? (laughs) You tell me, but that's how the Holy Spirit works, boys and girls. Donald Trump said the question is, what really happened? Come on in, Jeff. Jeff Mayers. Okay, there we are. Good morning. Uh, Regarding follow-up, I really learned a lot about 20, almost 25 years ago. Um, Our church had the power team in. Anybody remember the power team? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. And one of the things they did was six weeks before they came, they made sure that you had a follow-up plan in place. Two weeks before they came, they, they they actually flew out and checked that thing. If your follow-up plan was not in place, they didn't come. Folks, in and other I, words, Jeff's saying, if you didn't have a thing to, well, all the people that get saved, if you don't have a plan to disciple them afterwards, they weren't right. coming. Is that what you said, Jeff? That's right. That's right. And I learned a lot from that. And then 
when it comes to personal evangelism, when you're doing one-on-one -on -one with somebody or you're out on the street or whatever, it's like you said, you, you deliver the message, but then you got to, if you carry that burden, like many people are carrying that burden for somebody yesterday. Right. And, and a lot of people carry that, but you got to release that thing. So that's why you got to do it through prayer. You got to say, Lord, I release this now to you. Now it's off of me. It's on you. I've done my job. And then you're free. Good word, Jeff. As amen on that one, Bernie. Then Jeff. Then I'm switching gears. Go ahead, Bernie. Coach, yeah, you brought up that thing. You know, people think that you're judging them. You know, I and I'm just got to the point. I'm just like, look, if I'm judging you, you're actually in luck because all I can do is disagree with you. I'm telling you <laughs> that there's a judge that you're going to stand before who has the power to cast you into hell. And you got to take this serious. Amen. Amen. Good warning. Delivering your own soul, it says right there. We just read it in Ezekiel. Jeff and then Brett. Coach, you would have loved it last night. This was the topic in the garage, the Holy Spirit. And Pastor Bill discipled these people, about 20 of them sitting there, and he went through this explaining to them how Satan tried to destroy Jesus. He's destroying the churches, the, the uh, cemeteries, and the pastors are coming out of these things. He said they're not the Holy Spirit. And he even used, Larry would have loved this, he said a lot of them, or synagogues of Satan. Oh man, he was hammering it last night. These people were looking at him like, what? But he went around to every person in the room. Because basically everybody in there last night, 20 of them, they're all saved, they're all Christian. He went around pointing each one in the chest. You are the church. You are the church. You are the church. He went around to every person. He said, we are the church. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you are the church. He just dropped the hammer. Amen. It was good. Amen. Brett, come on in. Yeah, good morning, Coach. Can you hear me? Hold on. Yeah, that's good. All right. Good morning, everybody. <clears throat> Give you an update on uh, Hostler's sons. Um, caught up with Jeff last night, and uh, so his son has been on the ventilator now for about nine days. Mm. His, da uh, his, his daughter-in-law still is, I guess, all about what's going on with, uh, you know, the protocols in the hospital. Well, anyway, it was either Monday or yesterday. They had to open up his abdomen and relieve his bowels. So now, according to what he told us last night, his bowels are actually out of his or exposed as he's laying there, uh, you know, under redesivir and also uh, uh, has the, the uh, not the trait, what's called the, uh, the breathing device. Yeah. So anyway, Jeff, different subject here real quick, but Jeff told me, told us last night about this uh, poll that was done that came out through uh, the blaze, I believe it was. And I asked him to who, who'd the poll come from? Well, he wasn't real sure at the time. Anyway, overnight, he uh, texted me that uh, this is a Rasmussen poll. Has anybody heard about it yet with the Democrats? No. All right, so nearly 60 people, give me a minute here, Coach. 60% of Democrats believe the United States government should force Americans to stay home, stay in their homes at all times except for emergencies if they are unvaccinated. That's number one. In addition to confining un unvaccinated people to their homes, Democrats are overwhelmingly agree with the other harsh government's responses. Democrat voters, government should impose fines and imprisonment on those who publicly question the efficacy of the existing COVID-19 vaccines on social media, television, radio, or online, 
uh, or in online or digital publications. And the last one is nearly half Democrats, voters, would also support government forcing citizens to temporarily live in designated facilities or locations if they refuse to take the COVID-19 vaccine. In other words, FEMA camps. 29% of Democrats would even go as far as forcibly removing parents' custody of their children. I'm looking at the same one you just sent me, Brett. So, so okay. folks, uh, listen, the Democrats, because of where they're getting their information, right? That's, that's what it is. That's why there's such great control of the media, because they only want one message going out. We know we're heading with this thing, Brett. Thanks, man. Um, I don't know if I can get this, get it in the chat and share this or not. Let me, let me, let me go uh, someplace else that's connected with this real quickly. <clears throat> As uh, many of you know, I, I asked somebody to pray for a friend of mine yesterday. And uh, I got a text from him yesterday about just after the show. And said, uh, basically, uh, Coach, uh, please uh, join my family in praying me into the arms of Jesus. I thought, what? the hell are you talking about? So I called him, no answer. I called his wife. And uh, long story short, both he and his wife had COVID. They were both in the hospital at the same time. He is 17 days in intensive care in a small hospital, not a, not a big mega, mega hospital. So the treatment's not the same degree, same degree. Doesn't have COVID. He doesn't have COVID anymore. But he has heart, uh, I'm sorry, lung damage. He can't keep his oxygen level above 80. So they have a, not a ventilator, but they have a, a mask on him that's forcing air in there. And when I got the message, he'd have been proud of me. And I wouldn't, he knows I'm going to talk about this. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, again, I wouldn't talk about something private. But I ask all, a lot of you to pray. And I went in and I sat down with him. And here's, here's, here's the question. Folks, this is, listen to me. This is really important. The first thing I said to him was, you want to live? And then I waited. Because you know, folks, not everybody wants to live. Not everybody has the will to live. Whether you've been in the hospital 17 days, or whether you've been beat down, whether you have a horrible relationship with your wife and your kids and you've lost your job and all, all of this depression, see, all of this depression is like when Jesus said, when Jesus, uh, a man came to Jesus and said, uh, you, have the, uh, you have the power to, I can't remember specific, I'm giving you the idea. You have the power to heal me. And Jesus said to him, will you be made whole? Do you really want to be saved? And I said to my buddy in there, I've got to know this question. I've got to know this answer before I go any farther. Because I'm not going to come in here and pray for you and beseech the Lord. And I'm not going to do that if you don't want to live. So I want you to tell me right now, are you willing to fight to live? I want you to tell your wife. You tell your wife that she's not worth fighting to live for. You go ahead and tell her. She's standing right there. You tell her. You tell your son. You go ahead and tell your son that you're not willing to fight to live. You go ahead and tell them, your grandbabies, you tell your son so he can tell your grandbabies that you're not willing to fight to live. And the whole atmosphere in the room changed. Because why? Folks, the Bible tells us that hope deferred maketh a heart sick. He had a sick heart. Sick heart. He couldn't see any way out of it. 
He'd been laying in there for 17 days. He'd lost 30 pounds. He's got this mask over him. He can't even talk. And so he texted me, pray me into the arms of Jesus. So when I ask all of you guys to pray, that's what I was asking you to pray for. Because I wasn't going to go in there and bombard heaven to try to get him healthy and save his life if he didn't want to live. Coach. And I made him, I made him answer that he wanted to. And then I said, okay, game on. So I want all of you to know where that thing is. And I talked to Dr. Paul before I went in there. I wanted to know, can this guy live? Can, can this guy live? Am I, is he going to die? Because they put him in an ICU room. I said, yeah, he, he can live. He can live. Uh, Paul, I see you in here. Come on. What, what do you got to say on this, Paul? You probably see this a lot, don't you? Actually, I talked to her last night. Good. Um, yeah, it was, there was a big change, obviously. Um, that pep talk from the coach helped out quite a bit. Um, I, it was a profound, um, something I learned from her that you guys probably don't realize, you know, in Maine, we are not allowed religious exemptions. Um, and therefore what you have in the hospitals are nurses and doctors who are, ungodly as far as i can see um you guys have religious exemptions and she told me that the nurses would pray with you won't see that in in me they would actually pray with him Uh, and that that was amazing to me and that tells me that there's hope in other avenues i told her that you find the right doctor there and he will go down this route where he treats the patients outside the norm. He will treat them with NAC or vitamin C and turn things around because there is a treatment for it. Sounds to me like he has pulmonary hypertension. It's, it's kind of a hard thing to uh, diagnose, but the point is his will needs he has to develop the courage to engage Amen. engage in the fight. He's got to want to be healed, doesn't he, Paul? He's got to want yeah. to get healthy. Yeah, and I've Amen. seen. Yeah, and I've seen people who don't have the will, and they decide they just want to die, and they're ready to die. They're ready. To, they feel in their heart they're ready to go, go see God. Mm. And I appreciate that too, but um, it doesn't. It ain't matter. him. It, it ain't him. Matter. Right. No. I learned something. You guys are lucky. If you guys find the right hospital, and I this is really weird to me because I did work in Warren, Ohio for a while. I worked in an emergency room there. And uh there were Amish folk there. And I this is a very strange thing to me, but it they truly affect the hospital because you know <clears throat> their their belief whatever it transmits to these people and they're, they're catering to the Amish. Uh-huh. Yeah. And you guys are lucky. In many they're, he's, they're really, he's really right in the heart of Amish country, Paul. He yeah. is. I mean, that, that is where they are, man. That's Amish central. In, in those hospitals, you know, they're not influenced yeah. by federal money apparently or something, but they have, yeah. It seems to me you guys are. I was going to move to Ohio yesterday. That's, that's <laughs> sick. I, I'm stuck here fighting the these god 
I'm, and I'm actually kind of having fun, by the way. You know, gonna, anyway. So, so, Paul, I stood in front of him yesterday and said, listen, here's the truth. You will live and you will not die. Will you agree with me on that? That you will live and you will not die. Because God's going to grant your wish, whatever you want it to be. And I say, you will live and you will not die. And I said to his wife, he will live and he will not die. And I said to his son, he will live and he will not die. Now, do you want to agree with that or not? Yeah. Folks, it ain't, no, it ain't any more simple, it ain't any more complicated than that. He survived COVID. He's on the other side of COVID. Stand up and freaking fight! Absolutely. It takes time, healing, and a little bit of uh, enthusiasm on the part yeah. of the people that care about him. Yeah, well, I took him to the woodshed yesterday, and I believe he needed it. He needed it. Hey, folks, hope deferred, making the heart sick. His, his heart's sick. He sees no hope in getting out of there. It's, that's so critical. Myra, come in quickly, then Angie. Yes. Um, Coach, uh, Dr. Gosselin, thank you so much for the report. That's outstanding. And uh, Coach, uh, received your text, and I thank you so much for taking me in consideration. And like you always say, you got to put skin in the game. Amen. you got to put an effort. Thank you. I appreciate all of you praying. And if if Terry, if Upston says his name, if he wanted to die, then I would have told you quit praying. He wants to die, but I'm not. We're not. Uh, we're not dropping his arms. Angie, come on in. Good morning. One of the things I just want to point out is uh, I think what has been so tragic throughout the last two years is how we put these people in the hospital and they are isolated yep. from the cheerleaders that are their family, and that is why they lose hope. That's why they get discouraged. And if you're if you isolate somebody, I mean, it's, you think of what they do to people in prison. They put them in isolation. That is a mental tool that mm-hmm. they use to bring them back under control, and it is yep. a very depressing state. So if you you add yep. in there the fact that you're ill and you're isolated from your the number one you know cheerleaders that you have which is your family then then you are going to go downhill and people do lose that hope and they do give up um if you you know especially the elderly it is so sad what happened to our elderly last two years but that is a huge factor is that isolation component amen angie thanks jeff come on in let's wrap it up here coach that is exactly like ricky we've learned from these things Ricky's 10 days at home, 13 days at KCH, and the first couple of days of four weeks in intensive care, that was the first thing we did. I walked in his room. I said, Mr. Miller, I said, do you want to live? And he, you know, and the people around him were like, we just told you he's going to die. So that was, and the kids hated me. His kids and family, they're like, just let him die. Yeah. Like, hope, deferred, hope deferred make of our heart sick. We have to help them. We have to stand in the gap. I got to show this very real, real quickly. Uh, I, I'm going to run over just a couple minutes. I want you to see this. The dam is breaking, folks. The dam is breaking. Uh, fourth thing down says the dam is breaking. Houston Doc, Dr. Paul, I thought about you. I don't know if you saw this or not. Not that one. It says the uh, Houston. Yes. L- listen, look, I'm, uh, I'll put this in the chat, but I want you to hear just two minutes of this brave doctor in Houston. Listen to this. Go ahead and play it, Spence. The game is breaking. Thank y'all so much for coming. 
coming. Um, last time I was here, I think I had talked about my boys. I just want y'all to know that they are all here today, and they are very protective, and they don't fight fair, so keep it nice. Um, and before I begin, I, I want to start by expressing my appreciation for all of y'all coming today. All of my patience, your kind words, your letters, your messages have meant so much to me. To my awesome employees, yeah. somehow have stayed by me and not quit during all this. And I've been lucky enough to bring on two awesome new nurses. Uh, I've got Jennifer Bridges here. injected into their bodies. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I also want to thank, thank the people around the world that I've never met who have reached out with nice messages and kind words and have drowned out all the other people who are trying to take me down. Uh, and finally, I want to thank my attorney, Steve Mitby, who's coming out right now, for helping me navigate all this craziness. And my publicist, Wayne Dolcefino, for also helping me stand up against all the media outrage. Um, so, two months ago in November, uh, Houston Methodist launched me into the public spotlight by uh, telling the world that they were suspending my privileges for supposedly spreading dangerous misinformation about COVID. Um, <laughs> So, and uh, <clears throat> Houston Chronicle joined in in that effort, and um, since then, um, I've had a lot of people publicly uh, comment that I should lose my license. These people don't know me, they're strangers. One of the people in particular, Ariana Garcia, is a journalist for the Houston Chronicle. And three days ago, she published a story entitled it, Former Houston Methodist Doctor Still Has Her License Despite Continuing to Spread COVID-19 Misinformation. Shame on her. Shame, Shame, Shame on her. her. Shame on her. Ariana does not know me. <laughs> yeah, Ariana does not know me. She never bothered to ask me to comment on this article before she published it. <coughs> And neither do any of the other people who have called for my license to be uh, removed. So I want to tell y'all what it takes to get into this spot right here. And it's not an easy journey. It's not easy to get a medical license. It took, my path took 13 years of higher education. I had to make straight A's. Residency was the five hardest years of my life, mentally, physically, emotionally. But I did learn a lot. And one of my most valuable lessons was to take a critical view of pharmaceutical companies and not be the first person to prescribe the newest and latest drug until it has stood the test of time. Mm -hmm. yes. <clears throat> and that has served me well 
when looking at COVID-19 and how we're treating it. I also, one of my favorite attendees at Stanford, um, <clears throat> he told me that um, we need to uh, be wary of any new vaccines that come out and not to follow the herd, to, be, to take things yes. with a critical view. I also learned about the culture of these big academic institutions. And they're rigid, they're hierarchical, and they breed conformity. And I knew that after residency, that was not the kind of practice I wanted to be. Okay, you can stop right there. We'll put it in the chat. Hey, folks, she's suing. She is suing the hospital. Dr. Paul, I just sent you the link here. This chick, pardon me, is all over it, and she ain't backing down. And if you watch this video, it's about 25 minutes question and answers. Paul, she rips the pieces, the, the pharmaceutical companies. She rips to pieces the medical institutions. It's unbelievable. A brave woman would step forward like that. What am I saying to you? The dam is breaking, folks. We're going to win. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow. And we're clear.